Wondershare Video Converter Ultimate makes life easier by providing you with a variety of video tools. Welcome back to Beers Up Sports Talk, episode 14. Sebo in the house, Debo in the house. We got NBA bubble in Disney. We got NFL to talk about, some rule changes. But before we get started, Debo, what are you drinking on tonight? Back on that Iron Duke train, 4 a.m. Haven't seen 4 a.m. in a long time. In the morning, that means. But the beer, fantastic. Maybe tonight. Maybe you get crazy. Maybe you stay uh, up all night. I didn't do that for my birthday, so I'm probably not doing it on a random Thursday. <laughs> Fair point. And I have Whalers out of Rhode Island, a buddy of mine. It's a pale ale buddy of mine. His girlfriend's college friend makes this beer. Light pale ale, delicious, fantastic. Looks nice. I mean, I mean a little bit that. better if it was the Hartford Whalers, but, you know, Rhode Island's just as well. Yeah, you're right. It is what it is. All right, let's get started. The NBA creeping ever so slowly back to us. Uh, rumor has it we're about six to eight weeks out from the return of the NBA. That is slowly. Right, but that puts us kind of in that July start date, which is what they wanted to do. Yeah. But we're six to eight weeks out. Um, the, the big rumor, the, the thing that seems to be sticking the most is that they're going to head down to Disney and have create kind of like a bubble community where all 30 NBA teams can be there, all the players can be there, um, and they can play games, stay there, and kind of live there. Initial thoughts. Give me what you're thinking. <laughs> Was this the Truman Show? Are they going to be able to uh, throw some, some fake weather in there just to make it interesting? <laughs> I mean, all I can think of is the, um, the Olympics and the, the housing that goes on there. And I feel like there's a lot of partying that goes on. So it'd be interesting. At least they're all together. Right. And I guess so the things, the things that I've read is that they have enough hotel rooms. Disney has enough hotel rooms to host all of the teams and the players. Um, the, down there, they have a space big enough to house multiple courts that can be broadcasted. Right. And so this is, is this at the um, Walt Disney World of Sports or whatever correct. it is? Correct. Okay. And then they have, because Walt Disney is private, they kind of can get it probably around a lot of the, the things that would get in the way of maybe some other places that they might want to try basketball. So my guess is Disney is doing this because they know that they're probably not opening until God knows when. Yeah, I don't think that think a place like Disney good... can, can open anytime soon. I, yeah, I, think... I mean, I think if, I mean, they originally stated they wouldn't open in 2020 again. Right, um, right. So, I, I mean, it's great for them, right? They can make up some, some money in uh, hotel costs and right. even, you know, advertising, I'm sure. Right. I, I mean, that makes things a lot more safe. If people are going to be there, they're going to be living there, and they're not traveling. If you have five different cities where these games are going to be at, people are still going to have to travel. Mm -hmm. I think the craziest part of this is I read something that they're going to they're be able to start doing antibody testing there if they do this. Yeah. And then um, it, it, I just, they're talking about 10,000 tests for, for COVID. But yet, you know, again, we can't go out and get one unless we have symptoms. And I, that to me is still kind of bullshit. I'm not going to lie. Talk, Doc. Money, money is the root of I understand. all things. That's great. <laughs> but I, I, I think yeah, it's I, I, I don't, And I don't necessarily agree. Like, I'm with you. I, I think it's kind of crazy that from the beginning, 
an NBA player got sick and they were able to get tested and get their answer back right away. Here's what I'll say about the bubble. I love the idea. I think Disney is like a great idea because it's literally like the end of the world. You go there, it's a huge space. They've got enough space for everybody to be there. I know they've talked a lot about kind of the older assistant coaches and trainers and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with those guys because obviously they don't want them to be exposed um, because I assume a lot of these guys are going to be asymptomatic. I assume a lot of them aren't going to be showing any, any symptoms, but like you said, there's going to be tons of testing. One of the things I did read from uh, uh, an interview with Jared Dudley, who's like super involved with, with this yeah. whole thing is that players are going to actually be able to leave the bubble. They're going to be able to go out. As he mentioned, every team has their Rodman referring yep. to the last dance we were just talking about it um and so players are going to be able to leave now if they come back and they test positive they're out they can't play and yeah. so it's basically saying to the teams keep your folks in order and if one of your star players or even one of your your you know more important players comes down with COVID you're done you're out it's over um, no I think I think that's the best way to do it unfortunately is yeah. if you you're, the season's not going to end. Your player is just gone, and you don't get them back. So if uh, um, Jason Tatum gets COVID, and then he's out, and the Celtics are kind of fucked. Yeah. But I mean, Jason I know it doesn't of... need to get COVID. Joel Embiid needs to get COVID. <laughs> Gian, and I, I don't want them to get COVID, but those right. are the guys that I need to get sick so they can't play so the Celtics can get the championship. And then LeBron and Anthony Davis, they can get sick. And the Celtics who win the championship. It's so you're gonna you're gonna take you're gonna take a cheap championship like that. I will take a championship any way it's given to me. That's fair enough. I mean, you are a Bills fan, right? <laughs> <laughs> now the other thing is, so two other things. One, uh, they're talking about still having a second site, and I, and I think the places I've seen mentioned are there's like Chicago, Toronto, but the one that probably makes the most sense is Vegas. They've got the space. They host the summer yeah. league um obviously it's a, a place that would draw it would get people excited uh, again I was about to say draw fans but obviously fans aren't going to be there but that's that's another place they could again that's going to require travel to and from potentially my uh, thought though is didn't didn't the Las Vegas mayor open up Las Vegas so you're uh, yeah I mean the real but I assume nobody's going to be allowed into these games right like people are going to going to flock I understand to that, but if you're going to tell me a player is playing basketball in Las Vegas isn't going to go to the casino? Oh, I, 100% they will. I mean, that's, that's going to happen. I, I just think the reality is if they need a second place, that's the place it should be. Okay. Now, I, don't know if I, I, I mean, I don't agree with that because I think then you're just – you're asking for all those cases to show up and just, just flatten the NBA. Well, I, I think any place other than Disney, the Disney bubble, doesn't make sense. You, if you have a second location – there's a chance with that travel, with the interaction in those spaces, that you're going to have a huge spike. And so, there, I mean, again, if it's in Toronto, there could be a spike. It's a huge city. If it's in Chicago, good Lord, it could be a huge spike. Like, the reality, wherever it is the second site, there's going to be that potential. I just think Vegas is the more attractive place because it's got multiple places to play basketball, and you're going to get an infusion of people and cash into the city, which economists and financial folks love. The reality is, and again, as you just said, the people with the money are the people that are making decisions. They're the ones getting these tests. That's fair. The other thing is that Adam Silver wants, when the playoffs come, to go full seven-game series throughout the entire playoffs. He wants the championship to be as legit as possible. 
And I think it's probably a way to kind of make up a couple of games here and there through a playoff series. Obviously sounds great because yep. you get to watch more basketball. Is it going to be too much for these players, though? Are they, are they going to get worn out? Is basketball going to look really rough come game, you know, come the Eastern and Western Conference championships? So they've, what, had two months off to rest their bodies? So, no, I think they'll be perfectly fine. I mean – You don't think they've been you, – you think they've been training just as hard as they would during the season? No. I think they've been training like they were in the off season, and they're going to get a time to – they're going to get a couple weeks to – get back into the right shape and maybe the first, I think you're going to see struggles at the beginning. And then once you get to the playoffs, I think they'll be back into the right shape to be able to play and do what they need to do. I think the, the overall product is going to be a little bit off. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if that has an impact on an early round playoff matchup. If, if, you know, some one one or two seed just gets a little cold and, and can't get it together, or yeah. maybe they take an injury in that shortened regular season or whatever. Um, it, it could be yeah. interesting to see what happens. I mean, look, I mean, Giannis goes down. You're talking about a whole different Bucks team. Right. 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 Even if LeBron goes down, you're talking about a different Lakers team or Davis. I mean, he, he we, we talked about it in an earlier episode where Davis is a legitimate MVP candidate and right. he, you lose one of those two, that's not the same team. Right. So, right. yeah, I mean, anything can happen, and and I'd love that, and that's what makes it a little bit more fun, just the top seeds going down. But then, you you know, you kind of worry about it when you get to the team that's under 500 still in the uh, playoffs from the Western Con or Eastern Conference finals because that's where it's going to happen. Right. No, exactly. You know what? Either way, though, what we're talking about is is basketball being back. And that's not yeah, it's definitely something that needs to happen. Six to eight weeks, man. I mean, I'll say it, these last two months have flown by for me personally. I don't like, I don't feel like they're dragging, even though no. we haven't done much. So I think we can get through the next two months. And once this, like we talked about last episode, they're all going to hit and probably come back at the same time. And you're just going to have a smorgasbord of sports and it's going to be great. It's going to be incredible. All right. On to the NFL. Proposed rule changes. Now, I will say, I rag on the NFL a lot. Their commissioner is a clown. Um, oh, I do want to interject. Before we get to the proposed rule changes, I kind of went off last episode about um, the compensatory draft pick situation oh, for yes, hiring minority awful. coaches and general managers. It's been tabled. They've decided to not pursue that anymore. Strong move by the NFL to, to – Yep. Dunk that dumb idea that they had. Um, my guess is they probably threw it out to test to test the, the feedback, got awful feedback, and we'll never see that again. Right. No, I agree with you completely. You know, for all the reasons that I went off, but also it's just, you know, I'm, it didn't seem like it garnered a lot of support from either the players or kind of the officials that were involved. So I'm glad that it's to the wayside. But Absolutely. back to these rule changes, all right? So what I like about – the NFL in this situation is that um, they allow teams to come to the table with, with uh, possible yep. rule changes. I think yep. that's pretty cool. Now other leagues could do it, but it's not exposed the way that this is. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to shoot them at you. You tell me whether you care or not. You tell me whether they're a good idea or not. We're going to start with the big one. We're going to start with the Eagles who want to give teams the option to, instead of an onside kick, get a fourth and 15, from their own, I believe, 20, 25, 25. 25. So fourth and 15 from their own 25. 
uh, instead of an onside kick. It is very similar to the AAF and what they did. And bonus points if you know what the AAF stood for. American Alliance of Football. Boom! Bonus points. My man. All right. Tell me what you think. Ever since they changed the rule of the that the kickoff team has to, like, stand at the line, they can't run up, it's failing. Like, it went from, uh, from what, 2007 to 2013 without, before the rule was put in place. Mm-hmm. It was succeeding at a 19%, um, 19% success rate. And now it's down to 10% because Yikes. there's no, they can't run. I mean, my guess is they probably changed it when uh, Brandon Bostich blew that onside kick where, you know, a lot went wrong, but a lot of people blamed him for the Packers not making it to the Super Bowl that year. Um, I don't personally blame him, but he's got to make that play. Anyway, I mean, I think it'll make it more interesting. I think that you, how often is a fourth and 15 play converted so I don't think it's going to change the percentage that much as far as an onside kick the other team's just going to get the ball in better position than on an onside kick because at least if you're on the onside kick you're talking about them getting it maybe at like the 45 you don't get those you know you know you don't get 15 yards you're getting it at the 30 so it's almost you're already in field goal range so even if you're only down by three they kick a field goal now you have to score a touchdown I, I, I can't disagree with you but I love this idea and I and, and anything to get dumb things like the onside kick out of the way I'm all for I'm I mean and this isn't a rule that's being thrown out there this year I would love it if they just got rid of kickoffs because very few of them are even being returned anymore and I know there are teams out there that are kicking it short on purpose and blah blah blah. but give me a fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick that needs 18 million things to go right and most of the time they just either kick it right to the first player standing there or they just kick it out of bounds like idiots like give me a fourth and 15 where I can put my best players on the field and have the game determined by those best players rather than the guys that never get to play because they're on special teams well you say kick it out of bounds like idiots but it's not like they're trying to get the ball to bounce up it's all it's a complete luck play listen do you uh, do you want the game in the hands no. of your kicker and a bunch of guys that can't crack the starting lineup or Aaron Rodgers in the offense I'm just gonna, let me ask you that question straight up. That's fair. I mean, I mean it's, Aaron Rodgers, fourth and 15, game in his hands. He gets to make that decision. Or do you let your kicker bounce one over everyone's head out of bounds or kick it five yards and fall on it and lose the possession anyway? Yeah. Uh, it's obviously, even if the rates change a little bit, it's not going to change that much. But I, I think at least it will add a little bit more excitement. I think more people now expect the onside kick to get recovered than they ever did in the past. Well, and so here's the thing that I thought about when I first read this and I said, okay, I think it's awesome because you get your best players back on the field. Great. If you fail, you throw a pass, it's incomplete. The other team gets the ball, right? Now they're at the 25 and you mentioned this, like they're going to have better field position, but if it's a late in the game, if there's what the way I look at it as, you might see more teams doing this earlier in the game, earlier in the fourth quarter, earlier oh, in the that's quarter, because, okay, you give the ball to them at the 25, but if you stop them in three plays, they can kick the field goal, right? Whereas, yeah. you know, you, you do an onside kick and they get the ball at the 45, 50-yard line, they can drive and take up all this time. You can't take up a lot of time from the 25-yard line. There's only a couple of first downs you can get. And so I think what t- you might see teams do is all of a sudden – Six minutes left in, in the game, you're down 20 points, you score a touchdown. 
go for the fourth and 15th. And yeah, if they score a touchdown on the next play or you hold them to three and they kick a field goal, you're getting that ball back regardless. Like, yeah. I just think it might speed up the game a little bit and give teams an opportunity to, to try their luck at getting back into the game a little bit earlier. Because the reality is with onside kicks is most teams wait until the end of the game. Right. And by the time, you know, and, and that's kind of what also sucks about it is that the, the, the success rate is so low and it happens so late in the game that when it doesn't happen, you're like, well, you know, now I can turn off the TV because it's over. This right. happens, you're going to get excited. You're going to be like, oh, why are they going for fourth and 50? Why are they doing the onside kick thing in the second quarter? Well, you know what? They might just say, like, we trust our defense to hold this team to a field goal, and, and, and we like our chance to score in touchdowns. That would be interesting. A team I, mean, like- I, I just dig it because I think, again, kudos to special teamers. You're NFL players, but, like, you're also not really ever getting any play time. And I just don't want the ball in your hands, you know? Fair enough. All right. Rule number two, also from the Eagles, this is an easy one. They want to do permanent expansion of the replay, the auto replays on the touchdowns, the turnovers, um, the tries, all of that stuff. It's, I don't know why this wouldn't happen automatically, but I don't know. I mean, yes, I, I 100% agree with you. My, my concern, as, all, uh, as I think a lot of people's concern is, there is the, oh, let's just call it a turnover, even though it's not just because we got to replay it, but then there's not enough evidence to turn it over. And sometimes that happens and it's, it's kind of disappointing. Um, Cause I mean, it's happened to me. It's happened or to the Packers. It's happened for the Packers. So right. like it probably evens out at the end of the season, but sometimes that can really affect the game. So while I think they, they should absolutely replay every touchdown um, I think they just need to keep in mind that maybe they should try to make a little bit better judgment if they can. I mean, like, I honestly feel yeah. like they've been told in the past that if it looks like it could be a touchdown, just call a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I think the tough thing with the the, the refs, and, and I mean, I probably yell at them every Sunday, right? But, like, the reality is the game is so fast nowadays. Um, it's not just handing the ball off and running between the tackles. There's so much more passing involved in the NFL. And you're right. I think a lot of times they tend to err on the side of like, well, I know this, this can be replayed. And again, these are, these are interesting decisions to be made because, you know, last year they went with the, like the reviewable pass interference and it failed spectacularly because it never got turned over and they just went ahead and got rid of it this year. And so like the idea is, I think this is something that makes sense in in that you do review scoring plays. You do review turnovers just so you can make sure you get those big plays. Right. Um, but again, I think I agree with you. Like, at what point do you say, like, enough is enough with the replay? I love replay. I think, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense to get the play right, but it does slow the game down. It does a lot of times, and I'm just going to equate it to soccer. There's a lot of times where, like, if you follow the letter of the law, you're like, well, that's a foul. I got to give these guys a penalty kick, even though nine times out of ten I wouldn't call it because in the, in the play of game I wouldn't have seen it. Um, right. So replay is good. It just is always going to be – that situation where you're like, maybe, maybe that wasn't the best situation. Yeah. I mean, then you get into the thought of, can you review something like the unnecessary roughness to a quarterback or Mm -hmm. then the defenseless receiver? Cause there's times where uh, a couple of years ago, Clay Matthews, like he had two clean sacks and got 15 yard penalties. And, and then another time, another player, a quarterback got, crushed and nothing got got called then you someone goes up and it looks like they hit him with their helmet then you look at the replay and they're hitting him perfectly with the shoulder and and they're like oh he hit him helmet to helmet well he didn't 
I don't want to be salty, but it could also, you know, maybe come into play on a, you know, when they call a block in the back in a playoff game against the Texans this year, when it's clearly not a block in the back and he squared him up and he was looking right at him, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, I didn't know. uh, (laughs) I didn't know where you were going with that. (laughs) Now in the same vein, the Ravens and Chargers have put forth a rule um, that there are not a rule, but a, a request that they put a booth umpire in the game. And then also they want to add a senior technology advisor, whatever the hell that is. Let's be honest. What they want is they want more eyes on the field. They want more people looking at these screens when they do replays. They want more people having a, 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 a say in the outcome of these very important moments that are going to be a big part of NFL. Right. Like, and I get that to some extent, like if you're going to do replay and do replay big, you got to make sure you get it right. I mean, I think that makes sense. So, I mean, you can have someone already looking at the last play before someone challenges it. Like right. if, if it's close to something, you're going to be like, okay, this head technology guy or the, you know, the booth um, umpire can start looking and say, all right, so this is where I want you to see when the next guy puts the headset on. But I, right. why wasn't that already happening? Isn't that how like, like, so I'm confused. Like what's it, it the makes, it makes sense. It sounds good. I think, again, it just comes down to them wanting more people with eyes on the field, with eyes on the TV screens, with eyes so that these referees who are clearly not able to keep up with the game nowadays, I mean, and it's not no disrespect to them. I think it's just the reality of today's NFL that even with all those people out on the field, like there's just no way that they can keep up with the pace, that there are people, there are more people in places that are going to be making these decisions on instant replay. Yeah, there's, you can't add any more on-field refs, so I, I think it makes sense to have some extra eyes on the field. Right, and at some point, you're going to have to get rid of some of those on-field refs. Like, I still can't believe that they have that ref, like, right, right in the behind the quarterback and, like, right there in the deep. Like, they're, like, just terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely I, terrifying. Couldn't pay me enough to do that. <laughs> All right, the next rule is something that I think – well, I think it'll happen because it, it's coming from both uh, the Dolphins and the, the, the competition committee. So this is – um, a thing that came up a lot toward uh, the end of this season, but throughout this season it's been happening for years, is that the defense gets the opportunity to have the clock run on the referee's whistle uh, when an offensive team commits a, a penalty. And so this was uh, the Patriots were doing it. I even think that the, the Texans might have done it. Maybe the Saints did it. The, the, well, Titans, the Titans did it to the Patriots like a week after the Patriots did it. Right. Right, so you've got all these teams that are taking false start or delay of games, delay of games. so that the clock can continue to run. Um, now they, they, killed, they killed like 90 seconds off the clock without – Right. For no reason. It was right. terrible. And so it sounds like they want to kind of cut back on that. They want to cut down on the clock manipulation. It sounds good. I assume this will happen because it's an easy fix. Well, I, I mean, it makes sense, right, because you're at the end of the game, a offensive lineman jumps – even if you're down or up, you know, you, the clock doesn't stop. They, they run automatic 10 second runoff. I think right. it was. Right. But it is an automatic 10 second runoff, but the clock stops. Right. Yeah. And so that's one of the things they that I think they're trying to do is that seconds off. And if there's nine seconds left in the game, the game's over. If you fall. Start. Cor- correct. But if there's a minute 20 left and they do the 10 second runoff, now it's a minute 10 and, and but they can huddle, they can get the right play. Whereas yeah. if, you know, they commit that penalty, and the referee, let's go. Now all of a sudden, do you have time to huddle? Now you've got to play probably out of the no huddle. You've got to hustle up. And yeah. you're probably burning more than 10 seconds in that situation. So I like that idea. 
Well, no, but what I'm saying is, I mean, I think with that happening, I think you're, I think it makes sense that that should happen. There's no reason why a team that commits two fouls should get 90 seconds. Right. Right. Because especially if you're, you're, you know, you're only up two and it's fourth down and you're trying to milk the clock. And now all of a sudden the other team only has 30 seconds because they don't have any timeouts. Like you committed a a penalty that should be up to the defense to let that clock stop. And, you know, so I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, last one. And this is one that I'm just going to preface by saying I am typically against protecting players as much as possible. This is kind of a clown show rule. So the, the competition committee is looking to have increased protection for kick and punt returners who don't call for a fair catch but don't have time to protect themselves. Now, Wait, they can what? call a fair catch. Yep. And then there's also the space rule, right? Like a player can't be in their business when they're catching the ball, right? Yeah. So if those two things are in place, why do they need more protection? What are we talking about? Yeah, no, that that seems pretty stupid. Like if you don't call fair cut, you're fair game. Like be smart. Like you're looking at them. Oh, they're within 12 yards. Yeah. Fair catch. Yeah. Like there is no reason why this rule should pass. If you're stupid enough to wait to the last second and not call it, you deserve to get smacked. And I get it. Like I get that they're trying to avoid somebody getting a concussion because they made a bad decision <laughs> by not calling a fair catch. But at the end of the day, it just seems like a weird rule because there's already a couple of rules that are already in place. And again, yeah, just call it fair catch. Like just call it. Don't worry about it. No, not, no, not in disagreement with you there. <laughs> all I right, mean, so we we there on the side of caution, right? And it sounds like we've solved all the NFL problems. I so think so. you and I have fixed it. We're good to go. Um, we're, we will have to go back in time and change a few rules and change a few calls, but I think we figured it out. No, That's I, it for this week. What else you got? You got anything left for me before we go? You know, I, I know this is old news, but it just popped up on here. And I know it's a topic of conversation because Glavin spoke out on it um, recently. Um, what do you think of the the money conversation that's happening in the ML in the major leagues with players not wanting to take a pay cut and and the owners wanting to do that so they can save some money? What, what's your thoughts? I mean, it's a, it, on on one hand, it's a it's not a hill you want to die on. The I want all thirty million of my dollars, right? <laughs> right. That being said, I'm with the players on this, right? I think we talked a little bit about it last week, how they're already going to take a a reduced pay because of the number of games that they're going to play. And owners are now pushing for them to take more of a pay cut because they fear that they're going to lose money. I get it. But again, these salaries are guaranteed in, in Major League Baseball. If this was the NFL, then it wouldn't be a conversation, right? They could just say, listen, we're going to cut you. We're not going to deal with you. I just worry that this constant challenge between the players and the owners in every sports league, the percentage of money the players get, the salaries being guaranteed, there's so much that goes into these these contracts that they sign um, and the labor relations that are involved that I just worry that if they're able to get the players to take less money, that it can be, it could be problematic for them down the line. Now, 
I get that there are a lot of people coming out and saying the players are going to look like the bad guys in this situation. Let me be clear. The owners are billionaires. They're all billionaires. They pretty much all make the towns and cities where their, where their stadiums are pay for those, for those stadiums. Which is crazy. They don't have to come out of pocket for that. Right. Right? They make billions of dollars every year. They own stadiums that other people are paying taxes for. And now they're fussing that they're going to lose some money. And again, $4 billion, as we mentioned last week, is a lot of money for the MLB to lose. Spread that out over 30-plus teams. It's not a huge number in the grand scheme of things. It is a big number. But again, you've gone into con- – you, you signed these play- players to a contract. These players can't make money really until their fifth or sixth year of playing professional baseball because of the way it's set up as of right now. And now all of a sudden you're saying, no, we need to take more money from you. So I am with the players on this um, because I think – it sets a bad precedence if they if they kind of fold in this situation. I get that it looks bad that they're fussing about their money, but they've earned that contract. They've earned that money. And again, I think if somebody said to you right now, like, you know, we're you know we're gonna we're gonna furlough you for a couple of weeks this summer. Okay, we can do that. We're gonna furlough you, and we're gonna make sure that we're gonna make you take a pay cut. Right. Um, but we're not gonna take a pay cut. We're not gonna we're not gonna scale back the money that we're spending. I just I worry that it sets a bad precedence. Fair enough. I like it. Rant over. All right, that's it. Episode 14. Any parting words for these folks out there? I got nothing this week. All right. Find us on YouTube. Find us on iTunes, IG, Facebook. Stop messing around. Let me see some ratings. I want some five stars. This is shit. I need some, we need some help out here. Let's go. Let's go. We'll see you next time. Peace. Later.